0: Take our Bibles and then we'll focus on this message about the harvest. (coughs) Let's open with a a verse of Scripture in Revelation 14, and then we'll have a bit of prayer and then we'll carry on. Revelation 14, very familiar passage, and it might be a bit dramatic, but it says in Revelation 14. Verse 14 says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And I want to focus on that phrase that appeared twice: trust in thy sickle and reap. And let's just pray. Our Father, we come to thee, and we thank thee that we can be together around thy word. And as we come to thee humbly, Lord, we ask you to speak to us through thy word. Help us that we can glorify thee and bless thee in everything that we do and say. And encourage us, Lord, to go out into this harvest that is waiting. Lord, to be gathered for the Lord and the lost souls out there Lord help us to bring as many of them in as possible in Jesus name our Lord and Savior amen so I wanted to focus on this and it's a bit dramatic like I said starting off you know we're thinking about the harvest the harvest is generally considered a very good thing you're very encouraged by it and you're excited about it and then we start off with this and it's a very dramatic scene you've got the son of man on the cloud and that's the Lord Jesus when he when he comes back He's the son of man, and he sits on the cloud, and he thrusts in his sickle, and he reaps from the earth a particular group of people. And after this, you get another reaping that occurs by another angel, not by the Lord Jesus, but by the angel. And what happens then is you realize that that's actually for judgment. That's greatness. If you go down in the scripture there, verse 19, And the angel thrusts in his sickle into the earth, gathered the vine of the earth, cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. That's a very, very negative thing. This grape that's been talked about, the cluster of wine, it's a very negative thing that happens to this. And we realize it's it's a group of people, and as you study the book of Revelation, you realize at this point in time, you're in the tribulation. And you're coming towards the end, and now suddenly, you've got these two things that happen, and the one is, you, you, you realize it's very positive compared to the other one. The second one indicates that the first one was for the salvation of those people that were taken the first time. So after you have the church being taken away, you've got this part where the people that get saved during the tribulation, and I believe, it's my personal belief, that most of them would definitely be Jewish, but, because it's going to be the whole nation of Israel, but there would be some Gentiles as well. But what happens here is God takes them away, and then the judgment comes. The great wrath of God comes upon the earth. So you still see that even in this time of the great tribulation, you see God's mercy upon those that trust in Him. So number two in this particular passage, you, you realize the first one was for deliverance and preservation. Now, bearing this in mind, let's zoom out and see what does the Bible say about harvest in general. And how does it tie in with this little bit over here? Because we've been seeing these hymns, and they all talk about when the Lord comes back, then He takes the harvest. And then, as we are doing this high-altitude overview, let's sort of zoom into particular little bits, and then we see what does the Bible say about harvest. And the purpose of a harvest, like many of you would have guessed, is really a positive thing. The purpose of harvest is to gather something in, to gather the fruit of a field of the land for your usage. If you don't gather anything, harvest is pointless. Uh, we had the opportunity once um, to go with a farmer, uh, somebody arranged it so we can take the children and they can get onto this big um, big harvester, this machine, combine harvester, and get in there. It's, it's actually a big cabin. I got in there with at least two or three children and the man was still driving it. It's, it's, it's almost as big as some people's living rooms. Um, this man sat there and he drove and he we was standing there next to the door I mean, and we, we went on this field and down there stuff happens and the corn gets, you know, cut down and it goes through the machine and here at the back you just see these little seeds and things falling out and all this chaff just sort of blows away and then later on some other farmhand, I think it was his son, came around with another tractor and a big wagon at the end and this thing just sort of spits everything over there and then he takes it away and he just carries on. And that's the way they do it. It's very modern, very efficient nowadays. Two people could do a massive amount of work where in the past you had people with sickles and they went through the field. So it's quite a contrast. But they do it, they gather the, the, that from the field because they want to use it in so many different ways and we can, we can produce things from it and we can learn, you know, eat from it and grow thereby. So if they don't gather anything, it's pointless doing all that work. Now, the harvest is is, is a a thing where it shows God's provision. It's it's a good thing. It's it's the goodness of God. It's the blessing of God. And we've got that promise in Genesis. And I want you to turn with me to some verses. Some of them are very familiar. Some would not be as familiar. But Genesis 5, sorry, Genesis 8, verse 22. We have the great promise of God after... The flood. It's, it's to do with the flood. The Lord says in verse 22. And He gives us promise. While the earth remaineth. seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. And summer and winter. And day and night shall not cease. And in that promise there. We've got the promise that even today. With all the climate hysteria going on in the media. We know that this harvest won't cease. We know the season won't cease. Every year we have God's promise that life will go on and on and on while the earth remaineth, and we know the earth will remain as long after uh, the time when the Lord comes and makes a new heaven, new earth. So we've got God's promise about this provision of Him, and then we've got something interesting in Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. we now see when the Lord Jesus comes back and returns and he rains from Jerusalem we see that they that gathered the harvest shall enjoy it 62 verse 8 to 9 in Isaiah the Lord hath sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for thine enemies and the sons of the strangers shall not drink thy wine for the which thou hast laboured But they that have gathered it shall eat it, and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. So if you can sit in your own country and enjoy the harvest in peace and in quiet, it's the blessing of the Lord. And it goes together with that phrase there. They that have gathered it shall eat it, and praise the Lord. And that's what we are doing today. We just say thank the Lord for the great harvest. Um, that particular farmer, I've seen him again this year. I asked him how was the harvest this year. He said, It's not brilliant, but it was a very good harvest. It's not the best there's ever been, but it was a very good one. And we can sit here today and thank the Lord that there are food on the table for the year to come because of the, the greatness and the blessing of the Lord upon this country. And even though when we look at the things that are happening in the country and we look at the situations, we realize we do not deserve God's blessing on, on this country, we do not deserve it on any country for that matter, if you really look at every single country in the world. But God still gives His blessing upon us. We thank the Lord God for that. There are some people, though, that disregard this blessing of God. Jeremiah 5.24 shows us that. Jeremiah 5.24. And it says there, It just shows the attitude of these people, the rebellious in their heart. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So they look at these things, God still blesses them, he still gives them the appointed weeks of the harvest, he still gives them all these things, and they don't say in their hearts, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain. And that's the problem with our society today, as it was with Israel, God is speaking here with Israel, but as with them, it is our problem with society today that we do not thank God for what He's given us, not for physical things and also not for spiritual things. Now, as we look at this harvest and we've gone up in the air in our little helicopter and we look down, where you find the Bible speaking about harvest, you see that it sort of comes down to the the laws and the feasts that god has given so i want to look at the laws and the feasts that were established by god around this time because the harvest ties in so nicely into these things these seven feasts that we have which the jewish people celebrate they celebrate a few extra as well nowadays which has nothing to do with the bible some of them but we look at these feasts and then we see how it ties in with the harvest Now, if you go to Exodus 23, verse 16, just a few more verses we want to look at. Exodus 23, verse 16. And that corresponds to Exodus 34, verse 21. So, Exodus 23, verse 16 says... And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. So what we are looking at at the moment, you've got these two here, the feast of harvest, the first fruits in the beginning, and then at the end, the rest of the feast of harvest, the feast of the ingathering, at the end of the year. And they just celebrated their new year, um, the Jewish people that And this is now the end of the year for them. And this is now what this is talking about. So we are now at the end of the year gathering. Now this would have happened, um, if you look at these, this would have happened according to the calendar. And we'll go and look at all these little things, how it fits in there. And Leviticus 23, if you just turn to Leviticus 23, that gives you a good overview of all these little feasts. And I think it was one of the messages by Pastor mormon that i heard him call it it's god's calendar it's a summary of god's calendar and it is true because when you look at these feasts they are so relevant to us um spiritually as well and um this is kind of his calendar leviticus 23. so when you look at these feasts it explains that he also mentions the sabbath at the beginning every week sabbath and then at the end you know he goes on and he speaks about these seven feasts So the first one, uh, you get two sections really. The first four is in the spring, and then you get the number five through seven, which happens in the autumn. And in verse two and verse four, they're called the Feast of the Lord. Now the first one in verse five is extremely important to us, because without that particular one, there would be no point in having any other feast. And that one is the Passover. Now the Jewish name is Pesach, And it happens in the month of Nisan, 14 to the 15th. On the evening of the 14th to the 15th month of Nisan, also called Abib in the Bible, we had the Passover. What happened in the Passover is Egypt, they sacrificed the Passover lamb, and God delivered them from Egypt. But not only from Egypt, it also spared the life of the firstborn in that house, and what does that signify? It signifies Christ, Christ's sacrifice. So without the Passover, without Christ's sacrifice, no matter what kind of feast you want to have, there's no point in it because you're still in your sins, you're still stuck in Egypt, you're still under the curse of that judgment of God that will take away the first one. And this is what is the main focus. First of all, the Passover. Have you been to Jesus Christ for the cleansing power? And that's the key question. Once you go past that, you know, go to the next, next part of the next feast, In verse 6, he speaks about the unleavened bread. The the word they use there is Chak, Hamotso. And the unleavened bread is in Nisan 15 to 22. It's a seven-day feast. And in that feast, you eat unleavened bread. One that doesn't have leaven in. Uh, Leaven is a picture of sin and unleavened being purified of sin. And there are two things that comes to mind when you think about these things is that when you eat unleavened bread we know the bible is god's word that's how bread we eat and it's unleavened it's pure it's holy and that's one of the ways you can eat unleavened bread is by reading god's word and you can drink from the purest stream by reading god's word that's also how you get god's spirit to lead you and god to talk to you is by reading his word It's not by reading another magazine, it's not by reading our magazine, it's by reading the Word of God. And that's the way God works, speaking through His words, and once you've read the Bible, we all know it, there were times when you were downcast, depressed, and you sat down and you read the Bible for 10-20 minutes, and afterwards you feel encouraged, you feel yes, the Lord is still in control, I can still serve Him, I can do these things, and all all these things through the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that comes to mind is the putting away of the leaven. You don't get unleavened bread except if you put the leaven away. And that's the way, after you've been to the Lord Jesus Christ, you now start to put away the leaven and get them out of your system. Put away the sin. And that's the life of a Christian. You constantly need to get rid of the leaven. And it's been for seven days. Seven signifies perfection. And I'm reminded about the verse in Matthew 5, verse 48, where he says, Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It perfects you. And the Word of God, when we read that, perfects us, brings us closer to Christ. And then you go to the the third um, feast, and this is now where the harvest comes in. The third feast, in verse 10, you get the feast of the first fruits. First fruits, Yom Habikurim is what the name they give it. And it's on Nisan the 16th and the 17th. So, you might not have realized this, but we just went through three feasts, and it was only three days. Now, I know the second one, the unleavened one, is for seven days, but the first one, Pesach, was on the 14th of Nisan. The next one, unleavened, was on the 15th, and this is now the third one on um, Nisan the 16th. And the first fruits is also extremely significant, because we're now coming to the harvest. This is now where you get something back from the land. If we sow our seed into the land and the earth, is great and wonderful, and it rains, and the sun shines, but we don't get anything back. It was also pointless. There was no purpose in sowing anything if you're not going to get something back. And this is now where we talk about the first fruits, and this is what the Lord Jesus is. He's the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead, the Bible says. And if the Lord Jesus did not rise up from the earth, from the death, if he did not rise up being resurrected, then there's no point in, in anything because then we're not getting anything back. And if we, we live this life and we just die and it's all over, then that's it. You're like a, a tree that grows outside there. But we, we know we're not. We know that we are eternal beings that will live forever and you just need to choose where. God gives you the option, He gives you the chance, come and live with me forever, in peace and harmony with the Lord. Or reject God and end up in the place of eternal punishment, death and hell, and then after hell, hell gets cast into the lake of fire and you stay there forever in the lake of fire under God's torment. And people don't want to preach that, they don't want to say that because it sounds so negative, but it's the truth. If you keep running straight and there's a cliff in front of you and i keep telling you you're going to fall off the cliff you might not like me interfering with your great stride as you run down there getting up to speed and you, i'm really irritating you by saying these things but it's the truth there's a cliff in front of you what should i do and that's it, the way we look at these things the lord jesus christ is the first fruit from the dead the resurrection of christ it's also a type of a pre-harvest And when you read that verses there, from verse 10. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. So it's brought to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. And you see how it's been offered to the Lord. So, the first fruit belongs to the Lord God of Israel. The Lord Jesus belongs to the Father. When you look at these three things, and they signify the Lord Jesus Christ being sacrificed on Passover, the unleavened bread, also signifying being buried, and also being raised up in those three days uh, there. Now, verse 16 is 50 days later. Fifty days later, you come to verse 16, and you get to the next Feast. And this now speaks about the Pentecost. And that's what's called the Feast of Weeks. So that's where the Jewish people get their name, Shavuot, uh, Feast of Sevens of Weeks. And that's in the month of Sivan, the 6th to 7th. And this is now where God sends His Holy Spirit to abide on the believers. It's also the same time that the law was given. That's very interesting to know that the law was given. And then exactly on the same time, later on, God poured out His Spirit on the church, on the believers. And it reminded me of the fact that, first of all, you have the law given. And yes, we couldn't couldn't bear it. We couldn't follow it fully. We always keep failing it. And the law is just that, that master, it just beats you. It beats you because you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're breaking the law. But then you come to this point where the God's Spirit comes and lives in you. And God now writes the law in your heart. And now you serve Him because you want to. And now you serve Him because He keeps you. And it's beautiful where you have the law, you now have the law written on their hearts. And in that passage there, let's read some of it. In verse 16, Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord, you shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two tenth deals they shall be of fine flour they shall be taken with leaven they are the first fruits unto the lord and this is also very interesting spiritually because two loaves the church of god is made up of two loaves the jews and the gentiles and sadly there is still leaven present in there the presence of sin is still a reality but we get this at the end They are the first fruits unto the Lord. So the church of God, these are the ones he'll take to himself as the first fruits before the great, great harvest comes. And that's with the rapture, when the Lord comes and takes his church away. Which brings us to the next uh, feast in verse 24. So verse 24 is the fifth feast, the feast of trumpets. And that's called Yom Teruah, the feast of trumpets. And that happens in the month of Tishri, the 1st. And it happens on one day, where you just blow the trumpet. It's not something that carries on. And that signifies the time when that trumpet will sound, and God will take His church unto Himself. The Lord Jesus will come and get His church, His bride. And if you look at verse 24 and 25, let's read that. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, Shall ye have a Sabbath and a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation? Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And doing that fire, it reminded me that there's that verse in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. We just read the other day with the children. And we were speaking about it. And it says... Let's go to verse twelve. Now if any man built upon this foundation, and he speaks about the foundation which he laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ on verse eleven, now if any man built upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare be it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, we know it's not speaking about salvation because in the Lord Jesus Christ we are secure in the Lord, in what He's done, not in what we've done. But our works still have a purpose and it still has a feature to it. Whereby God will one day judge our works and see, you've done all these efforts and all these things, you've done your whole life, you've done these things, and how did it to contribute to God's kingdom? And then you'll be judged. And if it's gold and metal and silver, precious stones and wood, hay and stubble, these things will go through the fire and it will be tested. And when I look at my works, then I start to think, how many of these things are pointless and are a waste of time because they will be burned up? And if you look at your own works, consider that. Every man's work shall be made manifest. And then he he tells us as well that we will be rewarded if um, our works are tried by fire and it it survives. So, verse 27 brings us to the next feast. And we're coming back to the harvest soon. We get to verse uh, 27. Also on the 10th day of this month, there shall be a day of atonement. And as we go through this time, and the church is away, we realize that that time of Jacob's trouble is the day of atonement when the Lord comes back and He it atones for Israel. It's called Yom Kippur um, in the, by the Jewish people. In Tishrei the 9th or the 10th is when they celebrate it. And atonement is to be made for the nation of Israel during that time. That's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Because the redeemed church needs no atonement. The atonement has been done for them. And it points to that day when the Lord comes back, the second coming of Christ. And it brings us immediately to the next, uh, a few days later, to the next feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And this Feast of Tabernacles in verse 34 and 39, 34 to 39 really, is also called Sukkot, booths. Booths is a little thing they set up. And then you go and stay in there for a few days, about seven days. It's celebrating the month of Tishri from the 15th to the 22nd. And they still do this, this feast. And um, you have to build this booth. And it's some interesting thing. Some of them even have all sorts of luxuries they put in this little booth. Um, I've even seen some a picture of some Orthodox Jewish people on bicycles delivering little booths for for some people when they have to celebrate this feast. It's very interesting, the approach they take. But this is an interesting feast because this is something that will be celebrated by all nations when the Lord reigns from Jerusalem, when He comes back and He reigns from Jerusalem in the millennium. And we'll look at that verse in a second. But about this Feast of Tabernacles, it has a very close connection to the harvest. That late in-gathering, we had the First Fruits, the Feast of First Fruits, I think it was the third feast. And now we are back at the, the, um, the end, the end gathering at the end of the year. And if you go to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 16, Deuteronomy 16, verse 13 to 15, you realize something about this. In, in the first verse, that it mentions the, the month of Abib, which is the other name of Nisan. So, Deuteronomy 16, verse 13 to 15, Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days. After that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy man-servant and thy maid-servant. And it goes on and on. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands Therefore shall thou surely rejoice. So You're rejoicing in this blessing that God's giving you. But it happens, the Feast of Tabernacles happens after the ingathering of the the harvest. So it, it works this way. You work now and you celebrate later. You can't celebrate now and try and work later. It doesn't work that way. And that's what we are doing at the moment as well. We live for the Lord. It's hard. Life is not going the way we exactly, the way we plan it. We all get older, we get sick, we get uh, infirm in many ways Uh, there are problems, problems at work problems at home Uh, there's so many problems around us I mean if you start telling everybody about all your problems we'll be sitting here the whole day and we're just going through problems and it'll be so depressing, but we look towards the day when all these problems will come to an end, because the Lord is there and He's coming back and He's going to restore that so we'll celebrate later, but for now we need to work for the Lord, no matter how hard it is You're in the field, you're harvesting, the sun is beating down on you, but you need to carry on, you need to carry on. And as the harvest harvest ends, then Sukkot begins, then the feast of tabernacles begins, and then the celebration begins. And that's the millennial reign of peace when the Lord Jesus comes back. Now Zechariah 14, we're almost done, Zechariah 14 just mentions that. Zechariah 14, verse 16 mentions where everyone will keep that feast in the millennium. It's like somebody said about these minor prophets, they're those little books that keep running around in your Bible, they're never (laughs) at the same place. (laughs) Zechariah 14 verse 16 to 17 says, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So if you don't want a harvest next year, then you can decide to stay home. Because next year you, you won't have a harvest because you won't have any rain. And that's the way it's going to work in, the, in the, t- the time when the Lord reigns from Jerusalem. You're going to have to come and worship Him. Your nation will have to come from no matter how far, we have to come and worship Him. So, this is how these feasts tie into Revelation 14. At the very end, and this is what we've sung in some of these songs, is like it says in Matthew 13 as well, this, the end of the world is the great harvest. And we see even then in the tribulation time, God spares His people then He comes and He brings judgment upon the earth. But now, looking at this, there's another harvest which the Bible speaks about. It's slightly different. It's not this particular harvest at the end. And I want you to turn to Matthew. Let's let's skip Matthew. Let's go to John, because otherwise we will take too long. Let's look at the book of John, John chapter 4. Because Matthew 9, Luke 10, and John 4 all address the same same topic and John chapter 4 verse 35 up to 38 and it says say not ye there are yet four months and then come of the harvest behold I say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest and he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth, and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And when you look at these passages in the other books, Matthew and Luke, um, you have the Lord Jesus say, um, pray ye the Lord of harvest, to send forth your laborers into the field they have this command to pray pray lord send somebody to go and get those people out there that are lost send somebody to preach the gospel to them send somebody to bring them in and then right after that you always find the lord sending them out and that's kind of ironic but that's the way god works we're supposed to pray for the lord to do something to get people saved send people and then we are supposed to go and work there's no point in us just sitting along the side to say, Lord, save the world, save the world. And we sit here and just enjoy our tea. And uh, this is the seriousness of it is also that it shows that it's now already. I know the harvest is coming later, but now already the fields are white. And he speaks there about a reward. He that reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. And you will be rewarded. The Bible speaks about, even if you give a, a cup of cold water to, in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to somebody, that you will, you will have a reward. The Lord will reward what we do for Him and to Him. And I, I think it's something we need to get in our minds, that every gospel tract that I give out, every time I speak to somebody about the, the word of the Lord and about the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation, every time I do something kind in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm building up rewards in heaven and when the lord comes back i will be part of the rewards he'll give me now i know we don't serve the lord just for the rewards but it's important you're working towards something instead of trying to build yourself a mansion a kingdom down here on the earth that will be destroyed build yourself something bigger over there gather your treasures in heaven Don't, don't gather them over here and it's encouraging to know the lord will reward us and it really spoke to me when I read these verses, and I thought about it this way, that we need to do something for the Lord every day, some, some way or other. Maybe it's just speaking to your children, to your family, maybe it's speaking to people at work, maybe it's speaking to people at the store. And like I was saying, if you can have a little Bible like this, and you go to fill your car with petrol, and you go to the, uh, the man at the uh, store there, and you say, hey, Merry Christmas, here, can I give you a little gift? Little things like that. Um... So many ways, and I know this church. I might be preaching to people that know how to do it, and they've done it so many times because I know this church has always been active in, in, in giving out this gospel in the great city of London. And we need to just carry on, be encouraged by it, just go on each and every day. And sometimes when you speak to somebody, you want to convince them immediately just see the, the truth in God's word, just see the thing from my perspective, so you can understand it, but they don't. It's so difficult. You try and convince them. You want to get them saved right there and then. But it doesn't always work that way. And the reason why is because it's not me that saves the person. It's not you that saves. It's the Spirit of God that comes. And He does the work. I'm supposed to just give the Gospel. I cannot save people no matter how much I want to. It's God's Word that saves and God's only Spirit that does the work. I need to be faithful and just present the Gospel. And it's something to keep in mind as we go out and give scriptures or give out the word of god keep in mind that you're working for reward you're working for your king and god will bless us one day now there's always a, a salvation call as well because we might be sitting in this church here and we think most people are saved but there might be somebody here that's not saved And you know, if you just turn back a page or two and you come to john chapter three i just want to stop there and as you think in john chapter three verse three and also, verse 16 and 17 are the ones we'll read. Just consider yourself which harvest will you be a part of? The first one where God comes and the first fruits where He takes His church away, or will you be part at the very end where you'll perhaps be gathered by those grapes and clusters of grapes and be cast into the wrath of God? Where will you take part? The option today is for you to be part of God's church. And the Bible says in chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, speaking to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 16, a very famous verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And today, make sure... That you are a, a part of god's family make sure that you're a child of god and if you want to speak to us about that afterwards uh, speak to the pastor speak to me afterwards we can look at some more verses with you so let's close in the word of prayer as we consider that god has given us a harvest he's blessing us he's blessing the country but also a spiritual harvest and help may the lord help us to be faithful in gathering these uh, people unto him now father we thank Thee. For the opportunity, Lord, that I could share the gospel and these little messages with the people and ask, Lord, that Thou would be blessed by it and that the, the fruit thereof. Help us, Lord, to look only on the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation and help us, Lord, to be faithful. That The harvest needs to be gathered in, Lord, and we need to pray for the Lord You sent in laborers, Lord, but we need to go ourselves as well. I pray for the hand to be upon this church by blessing upon them as they seek to to give out the scriptures and the word of god in this city and that many would be saved by it in jesus name our lord and savior amen thank you very much for your time